0: so a question came up on the tree Leaf forum that we're going to discuss today and it revolves around dokusan dokusan yeah. is this um experience between a teacher and a student where the teacher tells the student what they're doing right or wrong and the student yeah. tries to explain what they understand and don't understand. Is it as simple as just like an oral exam? Because we mentioned that no. book, um, Three Pros of Zen, uh, I think, in the previous episode. And it oh, seems to me book,
1: that. That book that has messed up Western American Zen for 50 years. It seems to me that. A
0: student's going to go in, and if the question is, I don't know, what's the sound of one dog barking, they're just going to sit there for 30 seconds and say moo and expect to pass. It can't be that simple, can it?
1: Okay, let me, let me tell you my issues with Dōkusan. Let me get it off my chest. Dōkusan, first off, is where the Zen student, uh, especially doing uh, certain types of koan practice, goes in and sees the Roshi. The Roshi uh, asks him to present his understanding of a koan or a phrase from a koan. A koan is one of those rather mysterious phrases that encompasses Buddhist teachings. And and the student will, I don't know, yell, draw a circle in the air, recite a bit of a poem. And this, this supposedly is supposed to manifest his enlightenment or his ignorance. And it's all baloney, let me tell you. Uh, Not completely baloney, Because really beautiful things can happen in the Dokusan room, but there's a lot of baloney. Ask me why there's a lot of baloney. Why is there a lot of baloney? Let me tell
0: you. The Dokusan room isn't a delicatessen, is it?
1: No. (laughs) (laughs) It might be better used for that purpose, though, sometimes. (laughs) Okay, there's a couple things. First off, there was the romantic image of old zen tales presented by folks like DT Suzuki. And they would tell these stories about the old guys, you know I'm talking about a thousand years ago, uh, who would hear the sound of a pebble hitting bamboo or see a flower and suddenly they were enlightened and like the fairy tales go, they lived happily ever after. And it gave the impression That you have this great opening, this great enlightenment, and you're done. You're a baked cake. And what you are is, (laughs) you know, you're half-baked is what you are. You know, insights like that are really important. Don't get me wrong. You have to see beyond our little self. You have to see into impermanence. You have to see into the the great uh, wholeness of this universe. Okay, it's important. But that's not the end of the story. It's just the beginning, you know. It's a small thing.
0: But there are lots of stories like this. Dogen tells some stories like this in Shobogenzo, doesn't he? Of a, a certain Zen practitioner or a lay practitioner, and all of a sudden um, something happened, and they were enlightened. Or one one Zen guy would go up to another and no. say, "What's the look of your original face?" And the other person would look at him and answer, "Baloney," and they would understand that he was enlightened.
1: Dogen never spoke about, you know, final, complete, that's it, you're done, enlightenment. I mean, that's like losing your virginity and thinking you know about everything about love. I mean, that's just, it's just the beginning. Dogen spoke about continuous practice enlightenment in which you have insights. He had great insights into the true nature of who we are and and this reality. But then it's every day, moment to moment, you have to put it into practice it's, it's uh, something that you can, we're going to talk about this in a bit, but it's something that you can even have one moment and lose the next. If you uh, get suckered into your greed and anger and ignorance that's within you, you could have all the insights in the world and then turn out to be, as my brother uh, Brad Warner says, a real jerk if you're not careful. So uh, that's the first problem with uh, the Dokus Room, is that uh, this great romantic uh, once-in-you're-done image was presented. And it was never about that. And and the Rinzai folks are into Koan introspection. If you listen closely, they don't say it's once and you're done. They say it's a lifetime practice of continuing insights. And every choice and act we do uh, is a new opportunity to, to either be wise and bring Buddha to life or to screw it up,
0: you know. Well, in the forum post which I'll link to in the show notes, um, you talk about what are the tests? So, you, uh, as a teacher, you're testing a student. You want to know if a yeah. student has achieved something. How do you handle midnight yeah. emergency room yeah. visits, funerals of loved ones, sick kids, flat tires, the news of the world, happy days, and sad days?
1: Okay. Well, th- th- this is complaint should I tell the story two. or do
0: you want to tell the story? <laughs> Go ahead. You tell the story. Well, this is the third time this week we're trying to record because while you may be a partially baked enlightened Roshi in some areas, you are certainly an untechnologically enlightened Roshi. And I'm, a,
1: I'm a technological idiot.
0: Well, I wouldn't use that word. That's not <laughs> polite. But um, t- this is the third time this week that we've been dealing with computer problems. And yes. you were a bit flustered, in particular Wednesday, I believe.
1: Flustered is the word for it. Uh, the wires were everywhere. I was plugging things in. Nothing was working. I was taking your valuable time, and and yeah, you know, it, it's uh, in these moments of the difficulties of life that the real test of this practice comes. And you know, I'm I want to talk about that in a second. But let me let me tell you a little about the Dokusan room, if I may. Okay. The Roshi. In the Dokusan room, who thinks that he presents a koan and the guy gives an answer and he can tell instantly if the guy or the the woman in in the room is enlightened, that Roshi is a fool.
0: Well, especially these days, because any of the students can just Google the koan and find the answer.
1: Well, no, it's not that simple. I mean, there's an aspect of there that it's supposed to be inspired, inspirational, come from the heart. And really great things can, can happen in the Dokusan room. Uh, it's I sometimes compare it to, uh, how to say it, a poetry jam, you know, urban poetry, where, like, things are getting spontaneously turned back and forth, and real wisdom can come out in the Dokusan room. It's like, a, it's improv, you know? Yeah, real improv, you know, can happen in the Dokusan room, and something inspired can be. But, you know, these days, Westerners got this really romantic, idealized vision of, of a koan practice and what goes on in the Dokusan room. And a lot of the, I think the teachers have an overconfidence in their ability to really read the heart of the student. So you got a lot of bullshit, pardon my language, going on in the Dokusan room, where people are saying things that sound Zen, or they're trying to be inspired, and occasionally sometimes wise and brilliant comes in. But a lot of it is just people acting like they think they're supposed to act because they're zen in the Dokusan room. And I think it's baloney. Uh, but
0: people always act the way they think they're supposed to act when they're with other people. This is just the nature of society, that the way you act with me and I act with you is different than the way you act with your wife and I act with my partner. Um, so there is, there is this difference of level of knowledge attainment, et cetera, that puts you as the Roshi a slight bit higher, you know, a few inches off the ground compared to the student. So there is always going to be that sort of reaction between two people.
1: Well, I, I think a lot of Roshis are overrated, too. Don't get me wrong. And I, I, I If uh, someone like me ever looks in the mirror and thinks we're a done baked cake, then we have a real problem. <laughs> I have to look at myself also, always as a work in progress. But it's a lot like marriage. Because if I just say my, to my wife, I love you, and then I act like a jerk, then I'm not a good husband. But it's the same with enlightenment. You see, the point I'm trying to make about the Dokusan Room is it is not and it has never been about just any words or actions that come out in the room. It's about the whole package. If the Roshi was living in a monastery with the monk, he would see that monk from morning till night, how the guy gets out of bed, how he behaves at mealtime, how he behaves when there's a problem in the monastery, how he behaves with other people. Looking at the total package, you can see this person's understanding and the peace and wholeness in their heart. So
0: this is like a teacher grading a student for their work all semester, as opposed to just grading them on an exam mark.
1: Not just on the exam mark of the whole semester, the whole life. When somebody knows something about wisdom and compassion, they know it that they know it in their own heart. And you can see that twinkle in their eye, a confidence And then it's not just the confidence because there's a lot of people that are confident in their enlightenment and they're just deluding themselves. It's how the person really behaves 24-7 in the good days and the bad days, in the moments when they're on stage and the moments when they're private. And in all those times, you can see a person's true understanding. And then, and only then, if that person comes in the Dokusan room, I would approve them. For their enlightened behavior, not because of one phrase or poem they recite, but because of everything. So,
0: a lot of people then have skewed expectations of what should happen in in the dokusan room, and Um, thinking that it all comes down to that moment, and that phrase, and that gesture,
1: or smiling when the Buddha holds up the flower, that sort of thing. That's exactly right, and it's messed us up. It's messed us up for decades because people think that. It's one insight and they're done. And it's a continuing path. Every day's a new day. Let me throw out a
0: metaphor because you were talking about marriage before. And yeah. this, as you say, one insight and it's done. Um, it's as if people think that enlightenment is like the final scene in a romantic comedy where that final scene in the romantic comedy is just the beginning and you never see what happens in the relationship between the two people
1: afterwards. Exactly, uh, I think there's that famous book after what is it? After the Enlightenment, the laundry is that. Uh, do, do the
0: laundry, something like that. I think it's Jack Cornfield.
1: Yeah. Jack Cornfield, right? Yeah, it's a brilliant phrase. Uh, Master Dogen in our Soto way spoke of continuing practice enlightenment. Basically, we are already Buddha inside. There is something good, pure, uh, whole peaceful, all right, it's all in there, right? But every thought, every word out of our mouth and every action is a chance to, to quote uh, Star Wars, go to the dark side. We have a chance to be good and act like Buddha and bring Buddha to life, or we have the opportunity to get pulled into our lesser, uh, how to say, uh, more human uh, ignorance, Anger inside; uh, it can happen in a second, and that's why you've had all those bozo roshis, if I may say, who came <laughs> over, like uh you know those guys. We said we could talk about them because they're dead, like uh, Edo Shimano and uh and Sasaki, and we also found out the Tibetan guy I, I mentioned; he's dead so too. Yon so we Rinpoche, can t- yeah, he died Yeah, now we can talk him. about him because he, yeah. he, you know, I, I think uh, he can't. Uh, they he can't sue us, us, us if they're dead. Yeah, so. Uh, but you know they they, they i 'm sure part of them they really had insight, they really you know could talk the game, and I think part of but part of them, man they were not they were bad cakes
0: <laughs> I think in part because people have this romanticized idea of enlightenment, as you say, like being totally baked, um, they tend to focus on the goal rather than the process, right. Right. So they're thinking, I have to get there, I have to get there. Whereas in Dogen's uh, idea of practice enlightenment, it is the it is the path, it is the process that is the enlightenment itself. Am I correct?
1: I, I compare it to uh, a bus trip. You know. People think they're gonna get on the bus and they're gonna to get to the Grand Canyon at the end, and then everything's gonna be okay. All their problems in life will be gone. They will never have an ugly thought again. Their heart will be totally at peace. And once they get there, but in the meantime, the road is bumpy. There are beautiful things out the window and some ugly scenes. Some of the passengers on the bus are very nice people, and some of them drive you nuts. In our way of continuous practice enlightenment in Soto Zen, we realize the whole bus trip is actually Buddha. There was no destination except where we are all along. And if you look out the window, the ugly scenes and the, beauty see- and the beautiful scenes and the wheels on the bus that go round, round, round. <laughs> you Remember that song? Yeah. And the other passengers. You see, they're all one thing. They're all us. So if you can't be at home right now on the bus where we are, even with all the potholes or the smooth road, then you're missing the Enlightenment. It's not over there. It's right where we're sitting, you see.
0: Now, I don't make Grateful Dead references often on this podcast. Anyone who listens to my other podcast knows that I'm a deadhead. Um, But I just have to throw out a lyric from a song called The Other One. The bus came by and I got on. That's when it all began. Yeah, exactly. I think that's quite fitting for your example.
1: Yeah. Did they do a version of uh, the wheels on the bus? Go round, round? No,
0: they didn't. But this song was kind of like that.
1: Remember that? The babies on the bus go wah, wah, wah. That's like a koan answer, you know? What is the sound of one hand clapping? Wah, wah, wah. (laughs) (laughs) What I remember from school trips
0: is that we used to sing a hundred bottles of beer on the wall in the bus to keep us busy (laughs) and count down. And I don't remember if we ever actually got to "No more bottles of beer on the wall.
1: Well, uh, again, in Buddhism, part of this is all things in moderation. So stop at one or two bottles. (laughs) (laughs) but you know I I get this all the time there are people who come and they say my practice is being interfered with because something terrible happened in my life or uh, I got angry yesterday or like we were talking I had the problem with the computer and I started to get flustered so does that mean I'm a bad Buddhist I'm a complete fake here because I was getting flustered with the computer before I came to talk with you about what is enlightenment absolutely (laughs) not we're human beings you can read Dogen. You can see he got flustered sometimes. Sometimes I think you can even read the Buddha from 2,500 years ago and fi- find that he was having a bad Buddha day sometimes. You know, We have to learn that we can be human, sometimes have bumpy days, rainy days, a little sad, a little upset, but if we can see through it and accept even the ups and downs in life, then it's all the bus trip, baby.
0: I think a lot of people in the West, however, have been raised to expect things to always be good, and that's why things that don't go right feel so bad sometimes.
1: When I get that promotion, or when I marry that person, or when I move into that new house, then my life will be good, or when I get my degree, whatever it is. We don't understand that the entire road is arriving. In each step, even when we fall in the mud, even when we trip and twist our ankles sometimes, which happens because we're human beings, it's all part of the trip. We always want to get to the destination, and we miss that the destination is ever underfoot. This is our vision of enlightenment in Soto Zen.
0: So if you say the Dokusan Room is baloney, does that mean you don't use the Dokusan Room?
1: You know, I I overstate it. You you used that word. I did, but as I said, I'm only human. Please forgive me. (laughs) I'm not perfect. Okay. Now, the Dokusan room is valuable in some way. First off, as I said, it's like improv or a, a poetry slam. Real insights and beauty can come out of it, but I think that's more the exception than the rule. And uh, people expect too much from it. But I use the, the Dokusan room, room too, just kind of like this. Uh, people come to me and I say, how you doing? And they say, shouldn't you ring a bell or slap me or hit me with a stick or draw a <laughs> circle in the air? I said, I will if you want me to. But I just want to know, how are you doing? How's your practice? How's life? And we just chat. And uh, it's not therapy. I'm not a, a psychotherapist. It's not uh, me having some great insight into their heart or... Or, or i have no psychic power it's how are you doing and uh, if they say oh my life is uh, going good you know for example uh, my uh, wife got rushed to the emergency room this week and i was so upset but part of me was at peace i say ah here's someone who's seen something or uh uh my cat died but part of me said there was the cat didn't go anywhere and i understand that in my heart i say, oh This is a person who has seen something. Or someone said, I had an opportunity. A guy said something, cut me off on the road, and I was about to get angry, and I let it go. I said, ah, this is a person who has mastered an aspect of the precepts and anger. And that's when I see how a person is really bringing Buddha to life, you see.
0: But on the other hand, you may get people, if you ask them how things are going, all they'll do is tell you how things are going well. And that that could be a sign of someone who's not really paying attention, couldn't it?
1: Well, no, we're filled with people who delude themselves and and try to uh, delude others about how enlightened they are and uh, they talk a good game. You have to be careful about that. You know, I want to claim that I can always spot someone who's pulling the wool over my eyes, but I I don't know. Uh, I've been fooled a few times myself uh, by folks, uh, more than once. But uh, basically, you have to be honest with yourself. You know, here's the other thing. The Roshi is not going to tell you you're enlightened. You'll know. And you'll know not because you've had some great opening cosmic uh, saw rainbows in the sky experience. It's because you'll know that, oh, my gosh, uh, I got a flat tire today and it was all right. Or my business is in trouble, but somehow my heart is at peace. These are the koans and the tests we need to pass. In the monastery, they had tests to pass. There was not in the doksan room. It was about cooking lunch. It was about how they cleaned the floors. It was about how they dealt with other difficult people in the zendo, you see. Well, ours in, out in the world is the same thing. How do we deal with uh, pro- economic problems? How do we deal with marriage problems? If your heart has had some insight, you'll be the first to know by how you greet these circumstances.
0: So with that in mind, we should really take with a grain of salt all these old Zen stories about a specific monk who had this enlightenment experience because we're just not in the monastery, as you said earlier. And it's just not
1: not the same context, is it? You know, what they did is, these were people OK, and they were people 24-7 who probably picked their nose and scratched their butts and they had good habits and bad habits. And when they died and their students wanted to tell the stories, they let out all they left out all the nose picking and butt scratching usually. <laughs> and they just like left the good side. So, of course, you get these stories that present a very idealized image of everyone. And I will include everyone from the Buddha on down. We get very idealized stories about folks and they were human beings. But that doesn't mean that being a human being is bad, all right? For example, I got flustered about the computer, but it was a small fluster. I allow myself to get flustered. I'm human, I get flustered. If my cat died, and we did have a couple of cats that died, I cried, and I didn't cry because I said, oh, I'm a bad Zen guy, I should know that death is but a dream. Why am I crying? I cried because I'm human and I let myself cry. You know the difference between being human And in ignorance and being human and having some insight. It's a very, very different thing. And you'll know. You'll know from this practice. So how are you doing? Are you enlightened? Oh, I'm not enlightened. No way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not so sure. You're pretty good, Kirk. Oh, come on. No, don't do that. Um, I I will. Let me share something, though. Um, (laughs) I've been playing music since I was about 16 years old. I just turned 60, so that's quite a long time. (laughs) And I've played a number of instruments. I played guitar. I played saxophone a bit. I played a little bit of piano. I played viola de gamba, which is like a cello. And about two years ago, I decided I wanted to learn the shakuhachi. Now you can hear some shakuhachi at the intro to this podcast. That's my teacher Kiku Day, who played our um, introduction of an old Japanese hankyoku shakuhachi song that morphs into Javier (laughs) Nagila. And for all the other instruments I've played, I've always had this goal: I wanted to play Robert Johnson finger-picking blues on the guitar. I wanted to play Bach on the keyboard. And I came into this, and I came into this not because of Zen particular. I've been listening to shakuhachi music for thirty years. Um, I came into this very differently and I've been playing more than a year and a half and I'm not moving very quickly, but I'm enjoying the process much more than the eventual goal. I can sit here with my shakuhachi and just blow single notes for 10 or 15 minutes and enjoy it, even though I know that this is not a piece of music. The rest of us listening to you might not enjoy it so much, but I'm glad you will. Enjoy well, it. one of my cats really likes it. She'll come and sit next to me when I'm practicing. But what I've learned here is that I don't care about the goal. It's the process of learning this instrument um, that is interesting, that, that has got me hooked on it. And, and I think one of the big differences is I've never played a wind instrument before. So this involves the breath. And the breath is life. And, and there's a different feeling than when you're picking a guitar or you know playing keys on a piano.
1: Well, you picked an excellent example because playing music like the shakuhachi or maybe a guitar is a good way to describe how you know someone has mastered this path, has a bit of enlightenment. For example, if you play, you're a beginner, and the notes are off-key, you have no sense of balance or rhythm, you can hear it. You can hear it,
0: Anyone and can hear
1: it. Other people other people can hear it. And then sometimes yeah. you may convince yourself, Oh, you're a great player, but we still know you're not so great. Okay? Yeah. But when you have suddenly learned to control and bring balance and harmony to your instrument, it's obvious. And when you have suddenly learned to bring balance and a bit of control and insight into your way you carry yourself in your life it's the same. We can hear it. We say, hear it with the eyes and see it with the ears. We can, you see, that's what you look for. I think learning a musical instrument
0: is something that helps bring about humility. Um, Not when you're young and you're trying to do it. My son, he wanted to learn guitar because he wanted to play like um, The Edge and U2, right? And But you don't do that until you've gone through all the process of learning to play chords and scales and everything else. So there's a certain level of humility you have to have to understand that the path is going to be long, perhaps endless, because so few of us will ever become experts at a musical instrument. But if you can be good enough to enjoy it, that's what's important to me.
1: You know, that's why they call it practice. Yes, you do get better with time. You know, they're saying there's no place to go. There's no goal. But at the same time, the guy who's played for a day is not the same as the guy who's played for 10 years. Now there are naturals too, in the Zen world. There are people who, you know, who were Zen before they even picked up the instrument and just have a natural ear for it and just have a, a natural way. And other people who play for 10, 20 years, frankly, well, they do. Okay. They do their best. But, uh, you know, even if you've really mastered the violin or the guitar or the shakuhachi, every note is a new note. There's a famous story, and I, I'm Itzhak Perlman, maybe, and he was on stage and one of his strings broke in the middle of a very difficult quartet. How many strings on a violin? You would know better than me. Four. Four. Okay, so he lost one or two suddenly. Uh, during this this famous concert, and people said, "Oh, was well, he going to stop?" You could hear it very loudly. Plung, plung! The strings broke. Is he going to stop? Is he going to? We're going to have to pause. And he's going to get new strings. No. He played the rest of the quartet, with two strings, and it was not as it was written, but it was amazing. It was beautiful, and he brought out all the power and beauty with what he had. Well, this is real mastery, you see. You never know, no matter how long you've done this, you, you're always going to, the next day, hit a bad note or have a bad day. It's like Perlman may one day pick up the violin, and for some reason that day he just can't get it. He's, it's just wrong. But the master keeps going and realizes there's ups and downs, and you work with what you can. It's just like our path. Uh, Zen is learning to play the music of the universe, you know. Okay,
0: Roshi, where do we go from here?
1: I have no idea, but it's the next choice, the next act, the next word. That's what's important.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe in iTunes or in your favorite podcast app. Please give us a rating, tell your friends. You can check out past episodes at our website, zen-of-everything.com. And if you want Jundo to answer your questions, send us an email at podcast at
1: zen-of-everything.com. Thanks for listening.